If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560. The answer. Good Don't morning. Oh. Oh, Don't sorry, forget. Oh, yeah, we, 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 we've got something to sell, Dan. Tuesday, January 29th, that is the day when President Trump is scheduled to deliver his second State of the Union address, and we are throwing a party. No matter what he does, I, there's rumor he might speak on the Senate floor. He might just have a rally. But uh, we're having a party, and it's, we're calling it a Taste of Freedom, and it's presented by HealthInsuranceMentors.com. We're holding it at the beautiful Belvedere Banquets in Elk Grove Village. The evening will feature dinner at 6.30, followed by the President's speech on the big screen at 8 p.m. And if you hurry, you can buy tickets to sit with us, Dan or Amy. We each have our own table this year, but those tickets are limited. So join us and a couple hundred other AM560 listeners for this great event. Tickets start at just $64, and they can be purchased at 560theanswer.com slash taste, and we will see you Tuesday, January 29th. It's a perfect segue to uh, our Trump correspondence segment. Uh, President Trump, sort of going old school. My dearest Speaker Pelosi. (laughs) Wait, we need romantic music behind this. I hope this letter finds you well. Life on the front has been difficult. I think of you often. (laughs) Due to the shutdown, I'm sorry to inform you that your trip to Brussels, Egypt, and Afghanistan has been postponed. Oh, no. We will reschedule this seven-day excursion. (laughs) That's what I'd call a trip to Brussels, Egypt, and Afghanistan. When the shutdown is over, in light of the 800,000 great American workers not receiving pay, I'm sure you would agree that postponing this public relations event it's totally appropriate. I also feel that during this period, it would be better if you were in Washington negotiating yeah, with me. I miss you terribly. That's my <laughs> parenthetical remark. And joining the strong border security movement to end the shutdown. Obviously, if you would like to make your journey by flying commercial. Commercial? That would, What's that? That would certainly be your prerogative. Paul can probably health, help. He has $200 million. Uh, so uh, <laughs> President Trump engaged in petty, petty politics, we're told. That's what the left's calling it. I think the actions of the president were petty, uh, mean-spirited, and beneath uh, any president of the United States to take. Yeah, uh, Steny Hoyer is ghastly uh, uh, offended, taken aback by the pettiness. So Apparently, he yanked the trip right before they were supposed to leave on the trip. Like, they're all packed and ready to go, and he said, no, no. Uh, and and so um, the D.C. press corps coverage of this is just delicious. That's that's really the great enjoyment I get out of Trump antics like this. Chris Klizza over at the Bezos Post on Nancy Pelosi's disinvitation or suggested disinvitation to offer the State of the Union address on the House floor because of invented security concerns. Invented. Chris Klizza, one of the Gang of 500, Nancy Pelosi's power play, uh-huh. power play. That's what that was called. Trump's letter canceling her excursion. excursion. Trump taking the low road, the low road. Power play by a master stri- <laughs> strategist like Nancy Pelosi. Low road by petty Donald Trump. For more on this, we take the high road with David Drucker. He is a senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Uh, so um, uh, I guess uh, things aren't uh, 
getting any better between uh, President Trump and Nancy Pelosi as it pertains to some deal on uh, border security and reopening that partial portion of the government. Yeah, day 39, here we come. That's what I like to say. This thing's going to go on probably for quite a while. Really? Longer than it already has. Uh, how, how, how long do you say that, and, and or how long do you think, and, and why do you say that? Well, neither the president uh, nor Democrats in the House, led by Pelosi, but also Democrats in the Senate, uh, neither side has any political incentive yet to move off of their position. And so um, until the way shutdowns work is, you know, they're a tactic. And the whole point is to create such discomfort that um, one side caves to the other or since that usually, you know, or or they both feel so much heat that they just compromise and get it over with and end it. But you don't and see that happening. Right, 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 right now, if you're the president, you already went into this owning it and claiming responsibility for it and so to 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 cave doesn't suit your purposes not at this point if you're the democrats especially in the house uh you're looking at the polling you're looking at the midterm elections and you're saying we're not losing this fight so why would we cave and shutdowns are they always begin about some policy disagreement but they just become about preserving leverage and preserve and saving face and it's no longer about the issue so here we are So let's talk about the State of the Union, because it is January 29th. We are having an event that we are still going to have. But where do you think President Trump is going to deliver his State of the Union or his speech? And um, what are you hearing? What are the options? Well, look, it all depends. You know, the the whole State of the Union address is, is a specific address. And even though it's even though it's directed toward the American people, because of the venue and the audience, um, because of the ve- because of the venue and the audience, um, you craft it in a certain way. Nancy Pelosi with way. you. So, it, oh. so if he does not, if he if he if he does not give it from Capitol Hill, it could be an entirely different speech. And look, just given the way this president operates, and if you look at his speech from the Oval Office, he tends to deliver speeches that are a lot more political than other presidents would deliver, for better or worse. You talk about the politics of this and, you know, the pressure that needs to be brought to bear for one side or both to uh, feel they need to be at the table and strike a deal. Uh, Interesting survey out from NPR and PBS uh, that finds Trump's approval rating among Latino voters spiking 50 percent approval up from 31 in the polling they did in early December. So this this 19 percentage point move during uh, a month when border security has been the dominant topic. Sort of interesting when you think about the Latino vote in swing states in 2020. Yeah, um, that look, that could be interesting. Uh, it could also be an outlier. Um and look, there's a long way to go with this. I've always felt that eventually the Democrats in the House would be compelled to offer more than they're offering. And in large part, that's because they control part of the government. So they can no longer just blame Republicans and say it's up to Republicans to govern. 
And I think eventually that's why Democrats are going to have to move off of their position, which has simply been to say, we will support the legislation that the president supported in December before he before he changed his mind after that bill had passed the Senate. And, and I think that's where we're headed. And, and I think eventually the president is going to be compelled to move off of his position. I think that more voters around the country beyond just government employees are going to have to get really upset about the shutdown before that happens. And because it's only a partial shutdown, I think it's going to take longer for voters to get upset. I think the issue with the TSA screening at airports and potentially the IRS refund checks being delayed are the sorts of things that could make rank-and-file voters who otherwise aren't that impacted get really upset about this. A big bombshell this morning, allegedly, that President Trump personally directed his Michael Cohen to lie to Congress about the Moscow Trump Tower project. Uh, Do you believe this story? Um, I, with, as with every story that is reported on this issue generally, I believe everything and believe nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My father once advised me when shopping for a car. He said, well, it, whatever the salesman tells you at the dealership, believe everything and believe nothing. Right. Uh, Look, you know, I, I'm more interested in Robert Mueller's report. I think Robert Mueller, based on people that I've talked to, is conducting a very thorough, above-board investigation I think that people on the left who think that it's going to, you know, reveal impeachable offenses by the president don't know what they think they know. I think people on the right who think that the Mueller report um, is going to reveal nothing and exonerate Trump don't know what they think they know. Um, I interviewed a couple of months ago Ken Starr. I said, does anybody really know what Mueller has, given how tight-lipped he is as, as somebody who's conducted an investigation like this? Um, and he said, nobody knows what they think they know. So I, I want to see Mueller's report. I think it's possible there could be something there that implicates the president. I think it's possible that nothing will be there that implicates the president. I think it, it could be people around the president that did something wrong or nobody around him that did something wrong. So let's see that. All of these stories are interesting to me, as, especially as a political analyst and reporter in D.C., but I, you know, I, I want to see what Mueller has and, you know, we don't really know yet when that's going to be. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, exercise some restraint in this matter. Um, but also just in terms of the relative amplification of what we're learning in real time, or maybe to your phraseology, what we think we know in real time. Kim Strassel's piece in the Washington, I mean, in the uh, Wall Street Journal, of course, not a bombshell, um, but uh, it is, it turns out. I, I would say if if what she has is accurate and I think she's proven to be fairly accurate transcripts of Bruce Orr's testimony before Congress from August, which, among other thing, among other things, uh, includes Orr testifying that he apprised senior level officials at both FBI and DOJ about Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier, his suspicions about the credibility of the dossier, uh, given its source, the actual source of it. And also included in those who were briefed very shortly after his meeting with Christopher Steele on July 30th, 2016, two lawyers, Zaneb Ahmad and Andrew Weissman, who now work for Robert Mueller's investigative team. Uh, So I don't know if you saw the Strassel piece and the potential uh, implications from the Orr testimony, but uh, pretty serious, including potential issues of conflict of interest within Mueller's team. Yeah, so I um I approach 
that story, I approach all of these stories on both sides of the ledger the same as I just described my approach to the BuzzFeed story. As a matter of politics and how the public is digesting this, I think all of these things reported that suggest problems with the investigation or exoneration of the president versus um, no problems with the investigation and the president did this or that, I think this has been way too convoluted and messy and complicated, not for a voter to understand, but for a voter to be swayed or for a voter to care. Nothing mm -hmm. has been simple. Mm -hmm. This has all been like playing a game of Clue and, you know, it, you know, this person had the candlestick in the library and they handed it to their cousin who had a, a guy who mowed their lawn. And I, it's just none of it's registered. Basically, if you're inclined to think Trump is a crook, you think Trump's a crook and those stories resonate with you. And if you're inclined to think Trump's getting a raw deal and Mueller's crooked, then those stories resonate with you. I know that the people that I have dealt with, that I have talked to about Mueller believe that he's above board. That includes people that think the president is getting, generally speaking, a raw deal and don't think he did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But until, if and until there is ever some very simple, digestible, clear evidence one way or the other, people are going to go on believing whatever they want to believe. And so as a matter of politics, I think all of this cancels each other out. And I say that both it cancels each other out for the president and against the president. And it leaves us right where we've been, which is some people think he's crooked and some people think he's getting a raw deal. Yeah, I, th I think that's a, a fair perspective. He is David Drucker. And by the way, I'd love to play a game of Clue with uh, well, Bob Well, it's Mueller. always Mr. Bolt, uh, Colonel Mustard in the billiard room. No, it's rope. not. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I was trying that's, to get I'm to. Kidding, no, no. That's for me, I, that's how I'm No, that's, that, that. that's you're falling into Mueller's trap with that uh, strategy that, on really? Clue. I'm telling you. Okay. All right. Uh, David Drucker, <laughs> senior political correspondent, WashingtonExaminer.com. David, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks, And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's morning answer on AM560, the answer. Hi.